It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It is the Greek for the Week podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a fantastic show for you. We are going to be getting right into the Word of God today. And uh, you know what? We so much appreciate your viewership. We seek on Greek for the Week to just go deeper in God's Word, and we do it from the Greek. And, you know, on some podcasts and vlogs, there are more Greek than others, And uh, but we always make sure that we come from the Greek. And I always, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing these Greek for the Weeks, I'm prayerful, and I ask the Lord, give to me scriptures maybe that we haven't worked with before, things that you don't often hear. I, d- I just don't want to make it about one thing. I want to have a variety of things that we talk about, And so in the up-and-coming Greek for the Weeks, last month we dealt a lot with the book of Revelation, and in time we'll be coming back to that book because it's one of the most, well, one of the most best, <laughs> my favorite book of the Bible. It's where I'm doing my work in, and we're going to come out of the book of Revelation this month in our Greek for the Weeks. So we're going to look at some interesting passages uh, that God has for us. James chapter 4 and verse number 4. Uh, turn there quickly if you can. We're going to look at some wordplay today, which is exciting. Um, when I teach hermeneutic classes, sometimes we neglect the fact that the biblical authors were smart, and they weren't just a bunch of uneducated fishermen and people that uh, were overlooked and God put his spirit upon. But, you know, God can put his spirit upon anybody and use anybody that he chooses. And, you know, he often picks smart people, too, not just people that everybody has looked by. I know God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, but God also has chosen some pretty smart people. And we're going to be looking at James, the half-brother of Jesus. This was Jesus' younger brother. His father was Joseph, of course. Jesus' father was Yahweh, and Jesus' mother was Mary. But James' father was Joseph, and James' mother was Mary, so they shared the same mother. And James was an opponent of Jesus up until the time of Jesus' death, and history and uh, teaches us that. Well, 1 Corinthians 15 t- tells us that James one that Jesus appeared to, and Jesus be, uh, James became a believer and actually became a very staunch believer of Christ. And church history tells us that James was taken to the pinnacle of the temple and he was thrown off. But before being thrown off, he declared Jesus Christ as Lord. So he really followed his brother uh, at the end, and he was the pastor of the Church of Jerusalem. You see this in Acts chapter 15. And this is his letter that he writes. And he uses some really strong language here. And I would tell you if this language was being used today, he probably would have got thrown out of the church. I had a friend one time, he went to be a guest speaker at a church, and and uh, he told me he was never coming back. And I said, why? He said, well, I really used, you know, I, I, I said this was a church at Ephesus. I said, well, <laughs> it's probably not a good idea to do that. But, uh, but strong language in the sense that he's given strong rebukes here. And he says here, Uh, you adulterous people, James 4.4, you adulterous people. Can you imagine going up and preaching and saying that? I don't recommend you do that, uh, but you want to be encouraging when you preach. You want to be uplifting. But this is James's letter, and James is James, okay? But if God leads you to do it, do it, but I'd just be very careful. But it's strong language nevertheless, and there are times for that. That's what I'm saying. There are times for that. Don't just do it because you can do it. Uh, but it says, it says, you adulterous people, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, wishes, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, that, that is, uh, that's, that's something to stop and think about here. The possibility of becoming an enemy of God. Now, I'm going to read this to you in the Greek here. I have to put on my, I have to look up close. So this is a play on words. 
And this is a very sharp, contrasting statement because he's saying, do you not know that friendship or hofila to Kazmu, friendship of the world or friendship with the world, uh, is esteen, which is in the Greek esteen, theu or enmity with God or becoming the enemy of God. So it's 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 very opposite and and it is uh, an opposing statement, contrasting. You want to be friends of the world, then you could be an enemy of God. Now he's writing to believers here. This is not a bunch of unbelievers that are going to read James's letter. Who read James's letters was believers. He's warning. He's warning the believers that if you decide to become a friend with the world, then you're not only going to, well, let me just say it like this. The word here, phila, or we get phileo, it means to love. But in this sense, okay, it has another tense or another uh, nuance to it, and that is friendship. And when you're friends with something, it's friendship with the point of sharing interest in something. So what he's telling you here is if you begin to share an interest with the world, you are now becoming closer to becoming an enemy with God. Now, the word cosmo here, cosmos, is not talking about uh, the world in the sense of uh, just being someone who's involved uh, with uh, living in the world because, you know, we're not going to be taken out of the world. But what it is referring to is being uh, someone who is uh, involved with the wicked social systems of the earth. Pop culture, we'll call it. Now, when I use this word when I'm preaching, if, I wanna, if I'm writing about Cosmo, I always say pop culture. So if you become friends with pop culture, you're becoming an enemy of God. Now, you say, well, how, how interested in pop culture can I, can I become? Well, this word means interest to the point of bonding. So when you become so interested in something, you begin to share a bond and share similarity to you and begin to mix with and become attached to pop culture, then you become an, it's not just, well, in other words, he's saying you can't be bonded to pop culture and bonded to God. And that's not, not that, that, it's not even that, it gets worse than that. If you become bonded to pop culture, not only are you not bonded with God, you become an enemy of God. We don't hear this a lot today on Instagram posts and Facebook posts and Twitter posts. We're often told, hey, everybody's friends with God, positive vibes, man. We're just positive vibes all over. We just got so many positive vibes out here. We don't know what to do with it. On one sense, I understand that that's where some people are at. And we can use that and we can say, well, let me tell you a little bit more about these positive vibes. Positive vibes in the sense that it's a person and it's not just a thing, and his name is Jesus, and he wants to save you. And you can use that as a springboard, but shame on Christians for talking that way. We don't want positive vibes. We got Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. Call it for what it is. Let's take away the ambiguity and stop saying that and start proclaiming the person of Jesus Christ. But if you get into this pop culture mentality and say, hey, I'm just so interested, it's all the same thing, man. No, 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 it's not all the same thing. We don't want to become bonded to the social structure. Jesus said we're the salt uh, of the earth with the light of the world. Salt looks, uh, tastes different. Light looks different than darkness. And we can't become bonded to the world. Otherwise, we run the risk <clears throat> of becoming an enemy of God. Now, we understand this in the, the, the sense of context. If you go to uh, James chapter 2, 1 to 13, I'm not going to read it, you'll find the people in there were becoming, they were very discriminatory against the poor. And they were discriminating. Now, the Bible is very clear that discriminating against other people is is sinful, okay? Not discriminating against sin because when you decide not to allow sin into your life, 
it's making a judgment. I guess it could be discriminatory, but I wouldn't use that word because the nuance it has in our, our, our culture today. But, <laughs> but, but it's talking about saying that you're better than somebody. We're not better than anybody. So they're being discriminatory against people that were coming into their congregations and that were less fortunate than they were. Uh, in chapter 3, 1 to 12, you'll find that they were speaking negatively. This is why James gave them the talk about the tongue. And then you'll see in chapter 3, 13 to 18, they were envying and they were full of selfish ambition. That's, now, that's something that we got to watch, especially in a society that's success-driven. They say success is about how much money you have. Success is about the clothes that you wear. Success is about how many followers you have, da 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 And we have a tendency to sometimes become very ambitious as people. And these are the warnings. And then you'll see in chapter 4, 1 to 3, that they were partaking uh, in um, destructive pleasures like envying and quarreling and fighting and getting mad with each other. And so discrimination, speaking uh, negatively of other people, envying and selfish ambition, and partaking in fleshly things caused them to bond with pop culture. <laughs> caused them to bond with the, rest, with the rest of the world. And James said, look at this, it shouldn't be so. Because if you begin to do this, you're running the risk of becoming an enemy of God. Now that, that's very, and, and really this word enemy here means to become a rival with God. You don't want to rival God because God will always win. We want to stay away from that. And you know something? I, I, like, I like this saying that the best protection against the enemy is a holy lifestyle. The best protection against the enemy is not just a holy lifestyle, but a spirit-filled lifestyle to be full of the Spirit, because holiness is not accomplished without the power of the Holy Spirit, without daily being filled with the Spirit. I know some people have said, well, the most important message in the church is holiness. And I agree, that's very important. It's right there. But how do you become holy? And how do you live a holy lifestyle? Uh, Paul says, be being filled, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You make some stupid mistakes when you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you something. The best part about being filled with the Spirit is that you always have a word in due season. You're always, everything that you say from God's word will lift people up. Even if you said you adulterous people, but you're doing it by the unction and, and being led of the Spirit, it's going to bless people. That's just how the Spirit works. And in the same sense, when you're filled with the Spirit, you make the right choices, you make the right decisions, and the things that are in God's word they come, they become good looking to you. Who wants to love their enemies? That's in the flesh, that's not good. But when you're filled with the spirit, that sounds phenomenal. You know what? I will love my enemies. Who wants to pray for my enemies? If you're in the spirit, you want to pray for your enemies. The most powerful thing is to be filled with the spirit. And when you're filled with the spirit, you can negate and break your bond with the world. It's a fantastic thing. Stay in the spirit and you won't be bonded to the world. So Friend, I want to encourage you today, make sure that you live your life by the power of the Holy Spirit and stay out of the mess and stay out of the gunk that's in the world. You know, we got to watch our mouths and we have to watch what we say, but let your tongue be tamed by the Spirit. You know, when we speak destructive words, not only does it hurt the Lord and it hurt the people that we're speaking, it also hurts us. Have you ever said something negative about someone or maybe you got befuddled with gossip and we're talking bad? Maybe you go out to lunch one day after church, after hearing a good sermon, and you just start talking bad about somebody in church. Don't you feel nasty and cruddy after that? You feel like, man, I shouldn't have done that. It would have been a whole lot better if we would have had an uplifting conversation. You know why you feel bad about that? Because that's not being led by the Spirit. And 
all right? It's being destructive to your relationship with God. You're moving closer to being an enemy of God. Now, I don't say if you make a mistake, okay, now God's going to make you his enemy. You repent and move away from that. Uh, you know, somebody asked me the other day, they said, am I, do I believe once saved, always saved? And I said, no, I don't believe that. I said, I certainly, I don't believe that. I see too many things in Scripture that suggest that we need to live our lives in holy, reverential fear of God. But you don't have to fear in the sense of losing your salvation, okay? You don't have to be afraid of that. Uh, but stay filled with the Spirit. Because I think sometimes people that believe in that once saved, always safe position, they get comfortable, they get relaxed. And we need to have a proper tension to understand we're saved by the grace of God, but we need to depend and trust upon the grace of God. It says in First Corinthians chapter 10, not to think of ourselves highly than we ought, or say that it's impossible for us to fall less than any time we fall. So we need to stay in that position, understanding that if we're not being led by the Holy Spirit, if we're not allowing the Spirit daily access, okay, you have to allow the Spirit access into your life. If we're not allowing the Spirit access into our life. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to become more and more bonded to the world. It's so sad for a Christian to look like the world. That's, that's, that's not good. You don't want to be a Christian, but at the same time, look exactly like the world. You're being called out of darkness. You were called from this life of evil into, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and such were some of you, but now you're washed, but now you're saved, but now you're sanctified, but now you're justified. Let's look like it and let's bond with the Lord and stay away from the negativity and things that and not just speaking negatively of others, uh, discriminate against other people, envy and selfish ambition, of course, being caught up in ungodly pleasures and worldly pleasures. And we only do that by, by staying in the Spirit. That's how we tame our tongues. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Make sure that you give it a five-star review and make sure that you uh, share it with a friend. Tell them, hey, Greek for the Week, it's live, it's hot here on Greek for the Week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.